0: Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr.
1: Heidi Horsley.
0: This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation in partnership with the Compassionate Friends and the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation. Heidi, we've got a really fascinating topic today. I love talking about dreams and dream work, and Carla Blowy is just, you know, the person on dream work, and I love talking to her about it and her experience and her, and her story with her son, Kevin. You want to introduce Carla to our audience?
1: i love to. And like you said, Mom Carla is the go-to person on DreamWork, and she's been our friend for a long time, and I'm so glad to have her on today. Carla Blowey is a bereaved mother of 24 years, a certified DreamWork facilitator, presenter, and author of Dreaming Kevin. Path to Healing. Carla leads individual group and conference dream workshops and programs on healing through loss and transition. And she is recognized nationally. And welcome to the show, Carla.
0: Good morning. How are
2: all of you? I really appreciate being here
0: today. It's great having you on, Carla. And I know you've got a second edition of your book that has come out, Dreaming Kevin. And I want to get right into it because it's fascinating. Heidi, why don't you talk about what this second edition, what comes up for you?
1: What came up for me, Carla, and I'm probably not doing it justice, was that 23 years after your son Kevin died, you went and reconnected with a lot of his friends and interviewed them. Is am I saying this, doing this justice? Am I saying this right?
2: Yes, that's correct. That's correct. Um, it was friends, it was classmates, cousins, uh, family friends, and extended friends.
0: And Kevin was how old? And he went out on his bicycle, as I remember. Is that right? And he got hit by a car? Yes.
2: Yeah. Kevin was five and a half, and he was riding his bike on the sidewalk of our neighbor's front yard. And as he was passing the driveway, a visitor at the home was driving a truck and had backed out over him and apparently didn't see him. And he died almost
0: instantly. How many children did you have then? I think that's important because at the end of the book, it comes full circle.
2: At the time, just two. With Amber was eight and a half, and Kevin was five and a half. And then after Kevin died, I had another child, Megan, who is 23 now. And then we had one more child, Jason, and he is going to be 20 this week. So four all together, but two only at the time, the first round of kids. <laughs> That's what we call them, the first round and the second The book was written really for Amber from the very beginning, the first edition and then this expanded edition, because I wanted her to know the real story. We were lost to her for a while, you know, and she was kind of lost to us. And I really wanted her to know what was happening with me and the journey. And I felt that there was no one else that could give that story or our story
0: justice. Because that's remarkable because Kevin has influenced you and the dreams have been really important that you've had, right?
2: Yes, yes. You know, from the very beginning, the, the night before Kevin died, I had that horrific nightmare and I processed that so many times over the years. And it's interesting because there's not just one interpretation of it. There's so many layers of it. But the initial and I think the theme through it all is that it was about our spiritual transition.
0: And that was before he died, right?
2: It was the night before. Yes, it was the night before. And, and while there were certainly some precognitive information in that dream, as well as prophetic, the pieces blended quite seamlessly. And I didn't realize that until I had worked it with a therapist and had done some hypnosis and, and then uh, over the years.
0: Uh, Can you give us a quick recap of the dream?
2: Well, um, in the dream, I was running with the children on our street, and we were uh, running from a cult group that I feared was trying to take the children from me. And we ran, and we ran, and and, uh, eventually ended up at our home, and I thought I was safe there with the children, and I I clearly remember shutting the door and, and feeling safe there. And they had gone off to play in the house, and And I was in the kitchen, and then I heard Kevin calling to me, and it was, "Mommy, come find me! Mommy, come find me!" And then the panic set in in the dream, and um, I was climbing stairs and ladders and steps to get to an attic. And when I finally reached the attic to this door, I opened up the door, and there was a blonde woman. I came face to face with this blonde woman who had Kevin um, in her in her uh, grip, and she was telling me that uh, pretty much that he was he was going to be taken.
0: Wow. Isn't that incredible, Heidi, to have that dream right before?
1: That is so powerful. And was it a disturbing dream? I mean, was she going to take him oh, in a it was, negative it was, way or take him and love him? Very scary. Oh, she was very scary. And
2: the thing is that when we were um, on the street... The other piece to that, too, is when we were running on the street and we'd run to another house, this place that we were in, there was a circle of dark-faced women. And in that circle, they were also trying to grab the children. I thought they were going for Amber, but they were really going for Kevin. And we ran again, and that's when we eventually ended up to our house. Well, This blonde woman, you know, was the same blonde woman who appeared in that dark circle of women. And uh, so I recognized immediately. And so, Carla,
1: after Kevin died, did that dream give you distress or comfort? It sounds like it was distress. Oh, great
2: distress. Great distress, Heidi, because I, first of all, I thought that it was a warning. Immediately, Mm -hmm. I thought that I did not heed. When I woke up, I oh, another crazy dream, Carla, you know, move on with your day. You need to just put that away. And I did. I stuffed it until Mm -hmm. that night, you know, after he had died in the accident. Mm -hmm. And then it all came back to me. And I realized then that I must have missed this warning and I could have saved his life. Well, that was a huge misperception on my part, huge, because it was not a warning. It was a preparation.
0: So, Carla, are you finding that when you work with people on dream work? What are the same major three themes that you find? Do you have preparation dreams? Are there any, like, two other dreams, things that you have? Do you put them in some kind of categories?
2: Well, first of all, there's always the dream visit after the fact. You know, those seem to be the the one thing that people want to talk most about because they want the validation either from me or from themselves, that it's real and that it's true. But there are so many more parents who are now having the courage to say, you know, I had a sense or I had a dream several months before, even the night before, that something was going to happen. I've always had a sense, but they've stuffed it away. And certainly we can't live... With that kind of fear that something's going to happen every time we dream something, we have to be able to discern some of that. But again, we don't know that it's going to be true until after it happens, you know. So there's the aesthetic dream, the precognitive dream, and the dream visit. And then the thing that is least paid attention to is the grief dream itself, which is You know, the dreams that are are, um, reflecting the status of our soul on this journey, those are the least paid attention to when I really think they're the most valuable.
0: Hmm. And tell me what that is again. What dream is that again?
2: Um, I just call it a grief dream.
0: Okay, a grief dream. I just dream.
2: call it the grief dream, that it's reflective of what's happening in our waking life as well as the turmoil in our inner world. And it all comes out in this jumbled and bizarre kind of dream that the dreamer says, I don't want to pay attention to that. That I'm afraid of that because you don't want to go there. You don't want to go to the real issue The hidden issues that are being blocked by that.
0: Now, do you have people keep a dream journal? What do I do if I'm having these dreams?
2: Oh, I always recommend that you keep a dream journal because whether you want to call them good dreams or bad dreams, all dreams come to us in the service of health and wholeness. So, Mm. keeping a journal, you're able to see the patterns and the symbols and make the associations. And then you can see your growth as well. You can gauge yourself how far have I come? oh my, you know, look back on a dream from two years ago and it's rev- it's still re- relevant today because mm, maybe it's been unreconciled.
0: Now, do you have any tips about keeping dream journals?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, a wonderful way to journal because as you're writing the dream, you're also writing about your thoughts and your feelings about the dream. So it, it's an invaluable piece.
0: Now, do you have people keep a pad by their bed or what? I'm kind of at the thought that actually writing is helpful, but gee, people aren't even able to read cursive. It's getting bad. But, you know, I guess people would keep a <laughs> c- computer or an iPad by their bed. I don't know. What's your thought?
2: Right, or a voice recorder. Oh, you good know, idea. Um, we all have those problems now, too, is to, you know, just record yourself. Here's the thing, Gloria. It's about speaking the dream and hearing the dream and then seeing the dream differently. And not only to speak it to ourselves, but to speak it to someone else who can hear it differently than we are, and then they can give us feedback that we might not have considered well, at Carla,
1: all. Carla, that's my takeaway from all this, because your dream, you thought... Was a warning and yet it wasn't, it was a preparation which helped you to see it in a whole different way. So, who do they go to if it sounds like a lot of dreams can be misinterpreted and add a lot of distress to people's lives and get in the way of finding hope again?
2: Right, I absolutely, Heidi. You know, for me, because the trauma was so great, and not that it's not great for any of us that lose a, a sibling or a child, but I was there. When he died, I held him in my arms as he died. So I, you know, I had that, you know, the the visual as well. And so there was a lot of trauma. I was very fortunate enough to have a wonderful grief counselor who believed that dreams Mm -hmm. were a valuable tool for healing. And so, you know, working with her, we were able to process things. And so I would come to our weekly appointments with my dream journal. And she would say to me, okay, what did you dream this week? What's going on? And and that's how a lot of our sessions went, you know, processing the dreams. Yeah, I I think that with the trauma piece immediately, yes, I, I think a grief counselor that's trained or that is willing to accept that dreams are a tool to use, but also a certified dream work facilitator like myself can also do that. Because, you know, what you're doing is, you're, or what I do in in this work is, the projective feedback, I'm giving you another way to see it.
1: And you also know symbolically what certain things in dreams mean, because you've studied it. Right, them. right. So not only you personally do your re- had it, but you've professionally studied it.
0: I've done some dream work, not a whole lot, but I did some dream work once somebody said this, and I thought it was helpful. They said there was a process where you can say to somebody, they play their dream. I like that idea. You record your dream on your iPhone. Then you play it for somebody, and then the person says to you, if that were my dream, this is what I would think. Exactly,
2: yes. That's the format that we use. I was trained with a tailor out of Fairfield, California, through the Marin Institute of Projective DreamWork, and that's what we use. If it were my dream or in my imagined version of your dream. And so it puts a responsibility on me, the person who's sharing that feedback, and it takes it off of the dreamer so the dreamer can say, okay, well, that's their story. That's how they've imagined my dream. None of us can ever be in the other person's dream. You know, we can only imagine it.
1: We don't know what we're really struggling with. We don't know what unconsciously we're really dealing with until we start to look at our own dreams. Our dreams tell us so much about where we are in our process.
2: Exactly, and that's why I tell people, don't look at a dream dictionary. Create your own dream dictionary.
1: I like that. You have Anna. to
2: get the symbols and the objects and the characters that are appearing in your dream, which you can get out of your dream journal if you're journaling regularly. You'll see those patterns. What's my definition of this red car? Do I have a personal association with the red car that appeared in my dream? Well, yeah, I had one when I was 16. So there's that personal association to the object or the character. And then beyond that, On an archetypal level, car translates to transportation, and it's how I'm traveling through my life.
0: Right. Well, wonderful thoughts about dreaming. How do people get your book, Dreaming Kevin, The Pathway to Healing? This book is a second edition, and I will say I haven't read all the things about Kevin's friend, but I've read through them, and they're fantastic. But also I want to tell our listeners that this is a very fascinating book about Carla's journey and about how Kevin's appeared to her in dreams. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. How do people get a hold of it? And give them your website and and talk about the things that they can do with you regarding dream work.
2: Yeah, well, the website is um, dreamingkevin.com, and you can purchase the book itself on Amazon.com. So if you um, you know just enter in your search, dreaming Kevin the path to healing expanded edition 2014 you'll get the current book the old book is still up there but you know i don't think it there there are very many copies of that one left so Um, And then I also have a Facebook page as well. But if you go to the website, you'll be able to see services and workshop programs and and read more about the book and read some testimonials and such of people that have experienced um, some great things in the workshop. And for myself, I love doing the individual dream work sessions with people. It's so, so remarkable to be in a session with someone, and I'm sure both of you have experienced this with your clients as well. It's that uh aha, aha. I never thought of it that way, you know, and then you see this this peace or this calm come over the person and because they're feeling a sense of recognition and validation and maybe even a sense of peace. And then Dallas coming up uh, for TCF, I'll be doing a workshop, an expanded workshop there this time and we'll do um, um, some group work. I'll do the introduction to dream work and you know, grief dreams versus dream visits and such, how to discern the difference. And then we'll do some group group work where we actually get to do that technique of if it were my dream
1: and
0: mm.
2: share that in small groups. I love that. I'm really excited about that.
0: Well, thanks again for being on our show today, Carla, and for being such a good friend and for all the work that you do.
2: Thank you for for all that you you and Heidi do as well. You're a great mother-daughter team.
1: Thank you so much, Carla. And like my mom said, thank you so much for helping so many people find the path towards healing.
0: Well, Heidi, it's uh, great what people do in their kid's name, isn't it? And how much Kevin's impacted the world in those uh, few short years that he lived.
1: Absolutely. And I could have had Carla longer because I love the way her mind works and wraps around The whole analyzing dreams, it's such a fascinating thing. Yeah, it really
0: is. We'll have to get her again. So thanks for listening to this show today. And Heidi and I want to remind you, as always, that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours till you find your own, and God bless.